Thanks, everybody. Why don't you take a seat? Uh, we have uh, a unique opportunity this morning and tonight, actually, as well. Last year, you may, if you're around uh, in the middle of the year, we uh, had the opportunity to have a panel discussion um, addressing some of uh, your questions, uh, questions about God, questions about um, church, about Christianity, about faith and life and how it all works together. And uh, that went so well. We had such a good response to that and uh, we heard how many of you really valued that time. So we thought, well, let's do it again sometime. And today's that time. So I'd like to invite our panelists up to join me this morning. Uh, and we have been collecting questions that you have uh, over the last uh, month or so, five weeks or so. Uh, and we have collated them all together, and we're going to address some of those here this morning. And uh, one thing that we uh, all want to really um, emphasize this morning is that um, we, uh, none of us here are really experts. We don't really have all the answers. Only one person has the answers, and that is God. Uh, and uh, through His Word, through His Holy Spirit, uh, and through experience and training and wisdom and uh, all of that put together... Um, we, we can journey together along to um, perhaps um, demystify some of the things um, that we wonder about. But it doesn't mean that we have all the answers. It doesn't even mean that we're all perfectly right either. Um, but uh, we've just invited uh, these people up this morning because we really respect them. We respect what they have to say. Uh, and um, we feel like uh, these people in particular this morning and this evening... Uh, can help us in this journey of discovery and, and asking questions and seeking God um, for the answers. So, welcome. Welcome, everybody. I'm wondering, because not everyone will know everyone, uh, we need to introduce each other, and I can't kind of introduce every single one of these people, but maybe you could introduce yourself to them, at least. Uh, maybe you could just say... Um, who you are and uh, what your normal kind of occupation is, um, and maybe just something interesting about yourself that people may not already know. Is that all right? Shall I talk while everyone else thinks of good answers? Okay. Uh, Andy, my name is Andy Goodacre. Uh, my day-to-day -day work, I work as a, a leadership coach. We work with leadership teams, different kinds of organizations, helping teams to be as healthy as they possibly can be. So, in, in short, I ask questions for a living, and here I am now today trying to provide answers. So, that's probably enough, isn't it? I'm Sandy, Sandy Hart, and I work here. I retired, retired, but I spend a lot of my time listening to people. I also get to ask questions, and the table's turned. We'll see. We'll turn it back. <laughs> Uh, my name is Danny Misdom, and I'm the principal of a small college that focuses on preparing men, women, families for mission, for ministry overseas in particular. So we run a, a tertiary program and a certificate four program at Worldview, and uh, I'm one of the teachers, and we um, operate as a, as a volunteer team, as a staff, and it's a residential college as well, so that's fairly full, life is full. In a, in a place like that. Yeah, awesome. All right, well, let's get straight into it. We had um, many questions, uh, so many questions that we have to actually split them. So if you're um, interested to hear more from these guys, uh, we're going to do another panel at tonight's service at 5 p.m. with uh, a different set of questions. 
Uh, so if you want to double up on all the goodness that these guys have, all the wisdom they have to share, then uh, join us again this evening. And, uh, and vice versa, uh, we'll say uh, to the guys tonight. Uh, but let's start. Uh, we have collected and maybe grouped some of these questions together. It makes it kind of a bit easier to progress through. But uh, we had several questions about, about God and about um, the Bible and and, and listening to God and how do we hear from Him. And I'm just wondering, so the first question uh, in this kind of uh, group was what makes God so powerful? What makes God so powerful? And maybe, Danny, you could uh, start with this one. <laughs> uh, I mean, the right answer is I don't know. And, and that, that's, I think, the right posture. But what I think God allows us to do is to be able to draw us closer to himself, to reveal something of himself as he, as he goes about doing life with us. And I think a, a great demonstration of his amazing power is this ability to be able to, um, from his breath, speak life in the form of creation and uh, bring about um, humanity in a way that nothing else can. So, yes, we do have a powerful God and he is powerful I don't know why, if we're asking why. He is someone who actually chooses to engage with us in a, in a loving way. He wants to reveal himself to his creation, and he does that continually, and he's still powerful today. His power doesn't run out. So he is powerful. I don't know why, but uh, I choose to, I suppose, worship that God and choose to live and try and listen to him and obey him and trust him that he knows why he's powerful I don't need to know. That's good. Andy? Uh, I think one of the things that um, is important just to remember when we think about God as powerful is he then chose to lay down all the power that he had got from wherever it might be. Vegetables was one option as well. (laughs) And to make himself nothing. And I, I just reflecting on that now, we live in a world where I mean, power has always been one of the three greatest temptations. Can I get more power? And I think when we think of ourselves as followers of, of a powerful God, he's the, an amazing example of somebody who had more power than any of us ever would want and yet laid all of that down to become a servant and taught us to do the same. So it's just a, a reflection on power as well. Yeah. That's great. Uh, Sandy, why is the Bible so important? <laughs> That's a good question, isn't it? It's important to me. It's important to many people. And it follows on a little bit from what these two have been saying, is the wonder of God's power is that it's not all, you know, out there, bold, crashing. There's a little Greek word, dunamis, which you think is dynamite, but it comes from a word, ability. God's ability to speak to us, to reveal himself to us. And at this moment, our God is doing that to every single one here. I mean, that's amazing. And your need and my need is very different. And so the wonder of God, I discover in the scriptures that are written about this God and how I can know this God who reveals Himself in Father, Son, and Spirit. Uh, That's right, isn't it? Yeah. And so the more I read, the more I 
understand that the Jesus of Nazareth who came, as you've just been talking here, humbled himself, he loved the scriptures. He knew the scriptures. He fulfilled the scriptures. And according to scriptures, we are here today because of Jesus. So I want to know what it's all about. And I'll never, ever, ever exhaust it. So from a very early age, I have loved the scriptures as the way for me to get to know my God more and more, and in that, to get to know myself and others, the expectations, how to live, the goodness of God. So that's my simple answer. Um, We've actually got a series later in the year uh, talking about the Bible that Jesus loved. Yeah. And uh, one thing for me is why the Bible is so important is because it was so important to him, so important to Jesus. And uh, so we're going to explore that a bit later in the year, which is going to be fun. Um, How do I know that I'm on the right path that God has for me? Oh, that's a good question, isn't it? And I'm sure... Speaking for myself, we, we probably, well, I'm speaking for everyone, <laughs> we all probably have that question in our lives at some point, if not multiple times. <laughs> I know I have. How do we know that we're on the right path that God has set for me? Andy. Um, uh, one of the reasons I love questions is we grow and we learn by asking them. Um, I said I'd ask questions for a living it's supposed to be helpful for other people. I learn every single day by asking questions. And this would be one of the questions, that probably not a lot, one of the questions I would recommend us all asking a lot, if not every day. Am I where you want me, God? Am I doing what you would want me to do, God? What are you saying to me? How do, how, how do I see you at work? How do I see you leading me and guiding me like a good shepherd? That image is throughout scriptures, Old Testament, New Testament, that God is a, is a shepherd who says, my sheep will know my voice. So I would, I, would, I would say the problem for me in my life comes when I stop asking that question, rather than uh, the problem is I'm not 100% clear what the answer is going to be for the, for the rest of my life. So within that, I would say I, that we sense God, know God, hear God speak to us through reading his word, through slowing ourselves down so that we can hear what God is saying. And and we use words like speak, hear, but of course it's not limited only to that sense. You know, we, 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 we intuit sometimes God's leading and guiding. Other people in the stuff that they say to us will be used by God to steer us, to lead us, to, to guide us. Um, so my short answer really would be by a continuing to ask that question. Speak, Lord. Lead me. Guide me. And allowing others to be part of answering that question with us. I think um, I would add, not add. It's going to unmute me in a minute. Um, I would add also that there is this um, temptation to want to know the path that is ahead of you so clearly that you start relying less on that question 
on, on actually asking from God. And I think God does this intentionally, if I can use that word. I think God allows us to not necessarily have a clear picture of what's next because he knows, he knows me. I would actually maybe begin to abandon this idea of communicating with God because I already know where I'm going. And so he creates this fog, if you like, some days where you just think, I'm not sure what I'm supposed to be. Where am I, God? What am I supposed to be doing? And I think there's a great invitation there to spend more time um, asking that question with him and actually trusting that the next um, season or the next day is going to be what God wants it to be. I remember 20 years ago, um, somebody saying this to me about discerning God's will. Um, I found it helpful. I offer it to you in the hope that it's helpful as well. So we, we can tie ourselves up in knots as followers of Jesus sometimes when we imagine that God's will is almost like a tightrope. It's like there's a right one and a wrong one. And, and, and we must engage in this delicate thing of trying our best to stay in God's will. And if we slightly step one way or the other, then, you know, the, the sky will fall in. They said it's perhaps far healthier and truer to think of God's will like a, like a garden, like a, a broad, wide space. The, the, there are boundaries, and, but there's a whole lot of territory to explore, the adventures to have, God, God and enjoying walking with God through this wide, expansive place that is his good will for us as his people. And I find that that's an image that continues to be helpful. Thank you. I thought you were going to hit me for one then. It's all right. I'm sorry if I do in That's the course of this morning. Uh, just, just very quickly and briefly, I was on a retreat recently and someone said this, and I don't particularly want to steal her thunder, but she was reading the Gospels. She took four days, Gospel a day, and she suddenly came to this revelation, if you like. I know this Jesus. I know this person in this Gospel, and this Jesus knows me. How safe is that in the knowing and being known? Yeah, it's great. Uh, Andy, I love what you said about uh, slowing down. And uh, I heard something this week uh, from someone, from a spiritual director, who uh, explained that, uh, you know, um, we, we humans walk uh, at a certain pace, uh, three miles an hour. What's that in kilometres? Five. Thanks. <laughs> That's the English guy. That's good. Uh, f so about five kilometres an hour. It doesn't help me when I got pulled over for speeding. No, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, humans walk at about five kilometres an hour. And, and God became human. He became flesh in Jesus. And God is love. So love has a speed. <laughs> five kilometres an hour. And if, if we are always travelling at 12, 13, 15 kilometres an hour... And Jesus is traveling at five kilometers an hour. Who's leading who? And I just thought, wow, wow. That's, a, that's an amazing um, concept and a, and a reminder that we've just got to slow down every now and again if we're going to hear from God and hear what he has to say for us. Hey, Ben, we've got a series coming up. It's called Slow Down, Peter. Yeah, we do. That's right. <laughs> it's funny. We have a lot of the questions yeah. that you have, we actually have... Uh, sermon series plan for the rest of the year, which is really cool. All right, we're going to change uh, gears a little bit and uh, talk about the church. 
Uh, and um, so my first question, uh, and maybe for Andy, is, uh, is the church supposed to be a uh, once-a-week kind of meeting, or is it meant to be uh, more than that? More than that. <laughs> maybe you could uh, I, I, in my answer at the beginning about an interesting thing you might not know, an interesting maybe thing that you may not know is that I spent the first 20 years of my life working as a professional minister in an Anglican church. So I've had a lot of years to think about this. Um, which led me to the answer, no, it should be much more than that, Ben. Um, it, when we read the Scriptures, when we walk as, as followers of Jesus, I, I think we can't help but realize that church is people. Church is the body of Christ in the world. You and me, every other follower of Jesus, in any other city, country, generation, situation, right around the world, we the, are the church. We are God's people. So we are far more than an hour on a Sunday because all of us, all the time, be in the hands, the feet, the ears, the eyes, the kidneys, the big toes of the body of Christ where God has put us, we are being the church. We are churching. Um, I can talk about this for hours, so you're probably going to have to stop me. Um, but I, I, the other thing I'd just throw in here is this was a question that, that got me thinking. I remember hearing somebody say, 2,000 years ago, Jesus said, I will build my church. He did. How do we think he's doing? And that question caused me to sit and look out of the window for a very long time. Well, I, well, I don't know. I mean, he's the creator of the universe. He made heaven, earth, flung the stars into space, so I don't really feel like I can say he's doing a lousy job. <laughs> but there are times, there are experiences where we go, oh, I'm not sure this is all he intended it to be. So I think then the broadening of that question for me is maybe when I say church and he says church, we are not yet fully on the same page. I could keep talking, but that's, I might just stop there. That's very good. Very good thought. As you're talking, it was occurring to me that a, a problem happens when we separate the idea of Christian from the idea of church. Uh, because if we focus on one or the other, it's not a complete idea of what God intended for us. And, um, and the church is actually not necessarily who we are, it's uh, because we are Christ followers. The church is the, the collective the community of Christ followers. And so if we uh, go to church without really being, <laughs> having ourselves right as a Christ follower, without focusing on me as a Christ follower, then we're not really the, the church that we should be. And vice versa, if, if we're just solely insular, looking at our own self as a Christ follower, but, but uh, ignore or, or downplay or the, the importance of community as a followers of Jesus together, then we're not really the true picture of what Jesus had in mind either. Um, we need the picture of both. I think language shapes the way we lead our lives. Uh, and um, I'm not much of a grammar expert, 
My wife's far better at that than I am. But I do catch myself now not saying, I'm going to go to church. I mean, we all know what we mean, and it's not about being pernickety. But in some t- sometimes that actually gets in the way of me remembering I'm actually called to be a part of the body of Christ in the world all day, every day, at any hour of the day. And it's good to gather from time to time with other people who are called to do the same thing. Uh, Danny, the idea of uh, speaking truth uh, and loving others at the same time, that is a challenge that the church has faced for 2,000 years <laughs> and we still face today. And I'm sure many of us in the room have uh, potentially uh, friends, family members, people in the community that uh, do things, believe things that are not only different from us, but we uh, fundamentally kind of disagree with and we feel is actually wrong. Um, and maybe our interpretation of God's word says that that is wrong. But, but we're also called to love these people despite differences and through differences. How do we do both, speaking truth and loving others at the same time? I think um, it, it ties in with what we've been talking about church, right? So I think the answer to that question would be, um, briefly, would be to actually think about the role of hospitality in this. So I think of hospitality as the activity of God initiating the process of being in a hospitable God. So we talked about creation before, about his willingness, his desire, in his power to create a space for us to be a part of a community with him. And somehow, I think through the course of history, we've kind of developed a, a church model where predominantly it's focused on, I've got the truth, you don't have the truth, so I'm going to speak it and you have to listen and make a decision as to whether you believe in God or not. I'm, I'm just putting that crudely. But um, what I think now, though, is that we've lost the ability to be hospitable. In other words, we've lost the ability to be able to gather around literally a table with a meal where we're actually inviting someone that we disagree with or don't see eye to eye on, um, and it could be family as well, but actually gathering around a table and actually sharing in a meal, for example, is a very, very powerful way of doing that. And the reason I think of hospitality is because Jesus, I suppose, invited himself to be part of our community, our world, and he initiated a process of being able to gather all sorts of different people. Do you remember, I think it was Christy who lined up these 12 disciples and other followers, and they all came from all different backgrounds, both men and women, and he was able to gather them around himself and say, you are now one because I've um, invited you into my space and literally had a meal with his disciples and kind of initiated that process of us being able to think about uh, the activity of church as being one where we practice hospitality. And I think we need to develop that idea a bit more. What does it mean to have a theology of hospitality, especially with the people that we might not see eye to eye on? I see eye to eye on you, that one. Uh, If you read the Gospels, you'll discover that Jesus was either going to a meal, eating, or coming away from a meal. You check it out. He seemed to enjoy eating with others. And sometimes I think he might have gate crashed. But 
There you are, like he invited himself to Zacchaeus' place straight away. So um, learn to be a bit more like Jesus. Going to a meal, eating a meal, or coming from a meal. Yeah, that's good news, isn't it? We get to eat more. That's the suggestion, I think. That's awesome. I like that. More dinner parties. Fantastic. Uh, Sandy, how can you recover uh, emotionally, spiritually, when people have, uh, other people have affected your relationship with God, whether that's through hurt or past experiences or whether the church in general or, or specific people? Unfortunately, this is a very real question for many people, and uh, you're not alone. It's a story that's continued for many years. One of the things that I have been discovering, apart from doing recovering courses and getting professional help and talking it through, is that God made us for community, and it is actually in a healthy community around the table that we can recover best. You know what I mean by that? It's other people that have hurt us and uh, maybe you've taken offence, maybe there's one or two people there, but we haven't seen the whole spectrum of Jesus followers who can love, who can invite, who can be there and show you how Jesus lives. So I'm not actually saying we don't need therapy and we don't need help. There's a great course here called the recovery course. You can see Paul about that one. But the tendency is to withdraw. And in that tendency, we cut ourselves off from healthy people around the table who can help us. Uh, I would echo that you're not alone. I, I mean, I don't know everyone's story on this on this stage, but I would suspect the four of us would all have stories of this kind of thing in our journeys at different times. Um, there's a difference between hurt and harm. If I if I go to the dentist and they do some work, that's probably going to hurt, but it didn't harm me. So in these sorts of conversations, actually, when we've been victims of real harm, then we. We, we, we must not do that journey alone. And there are people whose whole vocations and callings in life is to walk alongside those who've been victims of, of harm. And in that sort of a situation, withdrawing ourselves from any future harm is probably a wise move. But it's not the same as some of the other situations which we have experienced where we've been hurt, but actually probably not harmed. In which case, so wisdom is required, and that normally comes through us being with others, as you've said, Sandy. I'd, I'd just like to, I think, give a nod to also to this, I think, ongoing conversation between um, science and faith. I think they go hand in hand. So um, asking God to forgive you and to um, maybe forgive that other person is, is good. But I think we've got plenty of evidence in the scientific world and medical world to say that actually doing life alone is not helpful. And actually sitting down and having a conversation with someone face-to-face -face is super helpful. And there's plenty of evidence to, I think, suggest that our brains work better when we do life with others. And uh, I think we uh, provide proving through science and medicine what God already knew to be true, if that makes sense. So I think recovery is also a scientific medical question as well, and I think you mentioned the word wisdom and maybe engaging uh, professional services is a really helpful way 
alongside doing faith and doing life with others in, in recovery. Um, Danny, um, women in leadership of the church in particular and, and speaking from the stage and that sort of thing, um, uh, this can be a controversial kind of topic in the church world at least um, because of a few verses throughout the New Testament that um, we can sometimes be confused by and I'm not sure what they I mean. Could you speak into that uh, for a moment? Um, I think um, some of these verses that you're referring to are found particularly in the epistles. And what I would say, the epistles are the short letters that we get from mainly Paul and Peter and a few others in the New Testament part of the Bible. And what I would say is that the epistles don't make sense without the gospel. In other words, what Paul is saying, what Peter is saying doesn't make sense if, if Jesus is not in the picture. And I think sometimes over the course of our church history, we've been able to um, develop some unhelpful um, practices whereby the gospel is being pushed aside and we've been focused on the legalities of how to do church. And unfortunately, the story of men and women has been part of that picture. I think, though, if, I, if Paul is right, he's actually pointing towards something that Jesus has already established. And Paul is trying to establish these communities. And actually, when I read the epistles, I've got to be mindful that I'm listening to a one-way conversation, phone conversation. I don't know if you've been, I don't know, in a public space and you're hearing someone talk really loudly. You can hear very clearly what they're saying, but you don't know what the other person is saying. I think reading the letters is very much like that. And so it's a one-way conversation, and so it's very difficult. We've got time, we've got distance. And so what we're trying to do is to ask those questions. I would say, though, that the Bible also says plenty of other things, and Jesus in particular. And I want to be, I think, a little bit um, raw here. And I would just simply say that the Bible, the New Testament, and Paul has, says a couple of these things regarding women and teaching over men, etc. There's some technical things, there's some language things that, that need to be dealt with. But actually, Jesus, the story of Jesus is so significant. For example, God's word was in a woman's womb for nine months. It's actually a woman. We saw the king being anointed um, last night. It's actually a woman, a sinful woman, who anointed Jesus as king, if you like. That hadn't happened yet. And it was, it was a woman that initiated that process of anointing Jesus. It was a woman who actually found out that Jesus, she was the first evangelist. Jesus was risen from the dead. And it was a woman that went out and proclaimed that to the others. And the New Testament, the Gospels, sorry, the epistles is filled with mentions of women that are in leadership positions that Paul is a co-worker with. So I think my answer is clear. Women should be in leadership and should have equal opportunity to actually carry the burden of listening to what God is saying and implementing that in their lives. That's good. Um, okay, we have to wrap up because we've run out of time. We do get to continue this conversation this evening at 5 p.m. service. Uh, but I have one more question for each of you to answer in one sentence or 30 seconds. Take your pick. <laughs> um, and this is a, this is a doozy. What's the main problem in the world today? 
You like that one? The main problem in the world today is humanity's assumption that it can fix itself. That was my answer. <laughs> That's a good answer. That's why I That's went a first. very good answer. You robbed my answer. I'm going to ask Andy next so that you have a chance to think of another one. <laughs> It's hard to be. It's hard to go higher than that. Um, I, 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 yeah, I would. I would say that that's our problem as followers of Jesus. Also, we're, 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 it's our job to be examples through our words and our deeds to the rest of the world that we can't fix ourselves, but that we can have a relationship with uh, Jesus, who created it and healed it. Put it simply, saying to myself every day helps me to be reminded that I can't fix the world because I'm not God. I'm glad God is God and God does a great job at being God. That's great. Can we thank uh, Andy and Sandy and Danny? As I said, we have another opportunity this evening and we're going to ha- ask a different set of questions. So uh, I really invite you to come along. Join us online if you'd like to as well or maybe catch up later in the week. Um, but I, I, we're about to sing a, another song and we're going to wrap up our service. But I thought it would be a great opportunity um, to invite you to respond. And uh, you see, we, we have so many questions. And, and kind of no matter what happens, <laughs> whether, whether you're uh, new to faith or whether you don't, can't claim to have any faith or whether you've uh, had a faith for an entire lifetime, you will still have questions. <laughs> there are still questions in your life that you, you're wrestling with, that you're challenged by. And, uh, and we don't have the answers. We don't have all the answers, that's for sure. Uh, But we do know the one who has all the answers. And uh, I suppose I wanted to not let this moment by without giving you the opportunity to respond to the one who has all the answers. And we're going to sing a song in a moment uh, about promises. Is that right? (laughs) Got that one right. Good. Uh, and, um, and, And God's Word says He is faithful. Great is His faithfulness. And we're about to sing about His faithfulness. And that faithfulness actually endures our doubts. God is faithful to us despite the questions that we have of Him. We could doubt His entire existence and He would still be faithful to us. Isn't that amazing? He loves us so much. He is faithful to us no matter what question we could possibly throw at Him, even if we doubt Him completely. And we're about to sing about that. So I invite you to stand. And I'm just going to pray. And uh, maybe you'd like to pray along with me. And maybe uh, as we sing this song, you reflect on God's faithfulness to you. Um, but also that He is faithful no matter what. And uh, we're going to have people down the front after the service who would be uh, more than willing to pray with you. 
again, we don't have all the answers, but you can certainly ask us more questions if that's what you want to do. We're going to be down the front at the end of the service. Um, but we're committed to asking these questions as a community and seeking God as a community together. Uh, and no question's a dumb question. You, you know, come and ask us whatever is on your mind. But we're going to pray and continue to sing and continue service. Lord, we are just so grateful this morning for your faithfulness. Lord, you love us so much that we could ask you any question, we could doubt anything. The disciple Thomas uh, gets a bit of a bad rap for being the doubter that you really did rise from the dead and that he asked for proof and you showed him that the scars of your hands and the side Lord probably all of us have had those same questions prove that you're real to us prove that you really did die for us that you rose from the dead Lord we have those doubts and many other questions but Lord we know that you are faithful through it all we know that you have open arms for each and every one of us that we can come to you in freedom you will accept us no matter what and as we sing this song we, we thank you for that